Creativity, Episode 8. When you get these creative gifts that we all have, you don't really actually do anything to get those gifts. The only thing you have to do is develop them. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity Podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Own Your Creativity podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be talking to Rob Levitt. He is an acclaimed musician and artist, has created award-winning, innovative life skills through the arts programs for hundreds of at-risk youth and adults, and he is currently executive director of Creating Communities and the first artist-in-residence at Hospice of the Chesapeake, where he created and infused healing activities for the well-being of staff, families, and patients. Rob is a 2013 Innovator of the Year from the Maryland Daily Record, 2012 Mentor of the Year for Anne Arundel County, 2011 recipient of the Martin Luther King Peacemaker Award, 2010 Rotary Club Service Above Self Award and was recently a top five national finalist for the Energizer Keep Going Hall of Fame for Community Service. Wow. (laughs) In 2006, he was a fellow at UCLA's Center for the Intercultural Performance, working and collaborating with artists from around the world. Levitt has also completed an acclaimed CD, Songs of Healing, for Hospice of the Chesapeake, designed to give comfort to patients, workers, and family in hospice care, and it has since been distributed to over 1,500 people. Welcome, Robert. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime someone wants to discuss creativity, I'm up for it. (laughs) That's great. So, We have learned a little bit about you from that introduction, and I have to say that I'm pretty impressed with all of those awards. How do you do that and fit into, you know, creativity in in all of that? But maybe you can share with our listeners a little bit uh, more about who you are and what you do and, and perhaps a glimpse into your personal life at the same time. Okay. Well, you know, I started off as a professional jazz musician. I've been a guitarist and composer since I was about age 20, 21. And I went to graduate school at the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. And um, very early on as a professional musician, um, I felt there was something kind of missing in my career and um, even beyond my career in my life, which was um, I knew the joy and the excitement and the passion that uh, creativity and performing as a musician brought to me. But it kind of felt a little bit hollow uh, all along the way. Um, because I realized that other people could enjoy that and benefit that benefit from that too, and um, how sad it would be for people not to have access to the kinds of things that I so enjoyed and benefited from. And so that's how I really got into the public service and community aspect of sharing my creativity and art. So how how did you decide to get into that? Like, what was the method? What was your steps to getting into? community service in terms of music and creativity? Well, that's a great question. Um, It even started before my music uh, and and art career. What happened was um, one year I went home from college, undergraduate, University of Virginia. This was probably like 1985. And um, I don't know what happened exactly, but I just felt that I should be giving back to my community. Um, I didn't really have a history of doing that. as a, as a child or in high school as much. And I remember going to a, um, 
area church. And I said, well, what do you need to have done? And I was amazed to find out that they didn't have enough volunteers to help them. So I remember one of the things that really impacted me was um, taking a single mom and her two children to their medical appointments and then taking them out to lunch and just remembering how much they really appreciated that. And so um, that always stuck in the back of my mind. It's so easy to connect with people and so easy to make a difference for people. And sometimes we make it harder than it really needs to be. It's just all a matter of making the effort. So once I got to be a professional artist and musician, it wasn't really that big of a leap for me to say, hey, I can share this, uh, this material with other people too, much in the same way as I had that experience back in college. That is so inspiring. And, and it does sound so easy the way you describe it, you know. Um, and I also, I think that it's wonderful that there's people like you out there willing to share some of your creativity and help other people find it. Because oftentimes, you know, we look up to movie stars or, you know, musicians and we think, oh, you know, they're talented or I couldn't do that. Or, you know, we put them on a pedestal and it's out of reach, but you really bring it within reach for people. Well, if you think about it, um, when you get these creative gifts that we all have, you know, whether it be creative writing or speaking or music or art, you know, you don't really actually do anything to get those gifts. The only thing you have to do is develop them, okay? So, um, and that's a, lot of, that's a lot of work in itself, you know, as we all know, honing our art and craft and um, the rigor that we bring to what we do is <laughs> years and years of work and mastery. But the initial kind of getting that predisposition, we don't do a darn thing to, um, to uh, ask for that kind of good stuff. And so I, I always have felt it's kind of selfish if you just kind of keep it for yourself. It's not, to me, it just doesn't ring true. And, you know, I want to really try to break the stereotype of the creative artist or the creative type being a solitary person um, or a person who kind of just works on their own or develops their own art for art's sake. I do think that art and creativity and music and all the things that we love, I think they do serve a purpose beyond um, just art for art's sake and our own edification. Now, don't get me wrong. Those things are really important. I love, uh, I love just making music and playing my guitar and painting just for, just for my own designs and purposes. But um, at the same time, you start to get a hint that, hey, other people would love that too. So I've always just wanted to kind of give back um, as a way of basically expressing the gratitude for the gifts that I do have. So what is your definition of creativity then? Great question. Um, you know, a lot of it is about um, community and creating connections with and for other people. So, um, you know, whenever you can take things uh, that people miss, you know, observations in life or experiences in life that people don't either observe or they just completely miss or they don't see the connection between things, um, that to me is creativity. I like to put things together that other people think don't belong together, <laughs> you know, and so, um, you know, so when you think of like art and, um, you know, arts and community or um, creativity programs and art programs for leaders and leadership skills, those aren't things that always people put together. And so um, that's a big aspect of it for me is, is, is creating those connections. Now, the other thing is for me, creativity is also about an attitude of learning and kind of being in a constant state of learning and 
um, receiving from those that we're connecting with. You know, when I, I, I've worked with a lot of homeless adults and it's always been very successful because I've never viewed myself as um, uh, a superior of theirs or that I have something to teach them. It's always been kind of a co-learning process. And I think when you're open to that, um, you become more creative because you're open to receiving information and receiving inspiration from sources that a lot of people may not um, may not choose to receive them from or just overlook. Right. And, you know, one of the words that you used was connect and it made me think of E.M. Forster. There's a line in, in the front of one of his books and it says only connect. And that's stayed with me since I read it. And I think that your definition of creativity is, is uh, connecting to community is a great way of looking at it because art really doesn't exist in a vacuum. And if you create it for yourself, it's, it, it does go beyond you. And it's, it's like a conversation uh, almost, you know, in making that connection with other people. So I think a lot of the times people do think it's this solitary activity that you do by yourself, but it really, I think is meant for sharing and connecting. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times people don't realize that the joy that they could get from sharing and seeing people enjoy your work. I think I think there's some barriers. Um, for example, you know, people can, can be about, become very self-conscious about their creativity, and so they don't want to share it, um, or they're afraid they're going to receive a rejection, um, or they don't feel like they have the opportunity. Um, I'll just tell you a really brief story. As I gave a, a creativity workshop a number of years ago. And there was a woman there who said that she had submitted um, some poems to a poetry journal and her teacher uh, discouraged her to submit the poem. Um, she said she wasn't ready enough. She wasn't experienced as a writer and she didn't have the proper technique. And the poems got accepted by the poetry journal. She went ahead and submitted them anyways against her teacher's advice. And so I think that's a great example of um, Sometimes we just have to take control of our own um, abilities and our own uh, creativity. It's like no one knows you better than yourself. Um, now that can get obscured sometimes, but if you just really listen, you know you know what good work looks like. You know what good work feels like, and if it resonates with you, regardless of the skill level, I'm I believe that you should put it out there and share it. It's so empowering. Can you take us to a moment in time when you most felt disconnected from your creativity and what were those negative effects around that disconnection? What's the story around that? Well, I feel disconnected from it all the time. But, uh, <laughs> that's why I try to always connect to it. You know, um, I think the thing, um, the thing that disconnects me from my creativity is having an over um, analysis and an over um, awareness of what's going on in the world today. Um, I think that um, we all tend to, I know I do at least, um, tend to over focus on the bad news that we see on television and the media. And I think my most disconnected, most disempowered moments are when I buy into um, the story that's being told on uh, throughout the media about about life and that um, we forget sometimes how many people are doing well or even in spite of very difficult circumstances, um, remaining resilient, remaining creative. I mean, if you look in um, every, every difficult corner of the world, there are people creating music and art as a response to the difficulties they're facing. So 
I think disconnected moments for me are um, are just really reminders to me that uh, I need to bring my attention back to the creative experience and also um, change my focus and look for the people that are remaining resilient despite very difficult circumstances in the world. It sounds from your description there that it takes a lot of daily reaffirmation, daily refocusing to be a creator. Is that correct? Definitely. It just depends on what your, you know, your locus is. In other words, your, you know, the, your locus of control, where you want to place control in your life. And, you know, for me, I'd like the, the locus of control in my life to be with me. I don't want to be giving, you know, to use a cliche, I don't want to be giving my power away to circumstances that are really truly beyond my control. And that's another reason why I'm so committed to community work, because I have a sense of positive control over the community I live in, not control in the sense I'm in charge, but control in the sense I can make a difference in this particular spot. And I think the reaffirmation is critical, as you mentioned, because, um, you know, being being a creative person requires a lot of energy, physical energy, emotional energy, mental energy, and spiritual energy. And so um, that reaffirmation, recharging, and renewal is an absolutely critical aspect of my uh, creative practice. Do you think that there are some people who are not creative? Um, you know, I, that's a great question. And I used to think, oh, everybody is creative. You know what I mean? You know, you mm-hmm. hear that you hear that story now and you read you read that in books and a lot of creativity books start off with everybody's creative. <laughs> well, you know, the fact of the matter is I'm not 100 percent sure anymore. Um, the way I like to think of it, and I think um, I might have read this like from Marianne Williamson or one of those type of authors where it's not so much whether we are or are not something. I, everybody has the capacity to be creative. But it's not whether we all have the capacity or potential to be creative. It's whether we actually end up using it or not. Right. And so it's almost irrelevant to say everyone's creative. Well, everyone might be creative, but if you don't use it, well, it's the equivalent of not being creative. <laughs> so um, to me, um, to me, being creative is really kind of a function of how you see yourself in the world. Are you empowered to act? Do you self-authorize yourself to be a creator, to make a difference in your community? A lot of people ask me how I got into this community work, and I'm like, nobody gave me permission. I just woke up one day and started to do it. So um, you just it just has to kind of come from within. And, you know, in theory, everybody has the potential to do it. But at the end of the day, you will see people with, quote, less potential out-create people with way more potential in quotation marks, because they have the heart desire for it. So I've always put a strong emphasis on what are you actually producing as opposed to what your potential is. Right. I've taught creative writing classes and all different kinds of writing for over 20 years. It's interesting, you know, that people who just work at and are persistent often have better success, quote unquote, than somebody who seems to just be a natural yeah, you know, I agree. Um, when I was at New England Conservatory in Boston, I don't really recall as being identified as particularly talented. I remember that um, I auditioned for some concerts, you know, at their main stage, Jordan Hall, and I never uh, really got to perform on that stage um, because I was never accepted for the auditions. But, you know, I think, but, you know, at the same time, I knew that I had a lot to offer. And so, 
I think, you know, going back to your question, are all people creative or do, you know, do all people have the potential to be creative? I think a lot of it is a matter of also kind of, of resilience. And I think resilience is a critical component of being a creative person and actually a creative community and, you know, being able to bounce back basically from rejection. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, even if somebody has a lot of creative writing ability, say, well, if they don't have the ability to bounce back from negative feedback or poor performance, then, um, you know, there's a whole set of other basically benchmarks and measures that kind of mm-hmm. go in conjunction with creativity. I, I always say, boy, if it, if it was so easy to be creative and everyone was born with it, well, we'd all be creative, right? So, yeah. <laughs> And we wouldn't have the show. Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> I, I think the thing is that I think the thing that's helped me, I, I always tell my students, I said, hey, just remember, you know, you have teachers and mentors, but the Calvary's not coming for you. You know, <laughs> I keep waiting for the Calvary to come for me and give me a big break. And, you know, I'm going to make my, make my, make my break and they're going to um, hire me and I'm going to be, a, you know, a big millionaire speaker and all this kind of stuff. But I finally realized the Calvary's not coming. And um, as disappointing as that is, you, o- you only have two options left. Well, you can run away and hide or you can become the Calvary for yourself, you know, yeah. and that's what I've chosen to do is um, not be dependent on whether people make breaks for me or not, because you could wait a really long time and get really angry and bitter, or you can make your own breaks, which is what we should be doing anyway. We have to cultivate the fact that we have something worthy to offer. It's not better than somebody else's and it's not worse, but it is something special and unique in its own right. And I think a lot of times people try to, um, you know, I call it the American Idol, American Idol syndrome, where all of a sudden somebody feels validated because a judge who hears them sing for 30 seconds says they have talent. You know, I understand where that comes from. We all need that validation. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, like, you know, Mihai Shizekmahai, I guess I pronounced his name right, you know, the guy that wrote, wrote Flow, you have to be, you have to be, you have to have, be, have an autotelic experience. You have to be in it. For yourself and your own belief in the power of your work um, without having to get compliments and 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 good feedback because sometimes that doesn't come right I love Csikszentmihalyi's video on TED Talks mm-hmm. I show that to my students often <laughs> yeah did you have an aha moment when you realized that uh, well and I guess maybe the Calvary story was might have been your aha moment in terms of your creativity or, or was there something different um, well, you know, they continue. I've had lots of aha moments mm-hmm. uh, all along, all along the way. You know, I think an early aha moment for me is like when I was back in grade school, you know, I'll give you two short stories uh, about those little aha moments. But um, I took a craft class, like a little woodworking class when I was in elementary school. You know, I made something out of wood with my hands. And when I made it, um, I felt good. You know, my mood was better. I felt just good. And I, to this day, I still have it. And I remember saying to, my, saying to myself much later as an adult saying, well, what was that? Why did I feel good? Well, it's because with my own two hands and with simple materials, I was able to create something and feel good about who I was. And I was able to share that with my, with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, another experience I had was um, I remember in grade school, I think this was like third grade, I played with paste. Remember that funny paste? Yes. Yeah. Remember that? Oh my goodness. Yeah. If you even even tasted it, it tasted sweet. Remember that? It was a little (laughs) sweet. So I, for whatever reason, I I got it 
all over my hands. I played with it in class and I put it all over my hands. I put my <laughs> fingers into it. And the art teacher, now get this, she sent me to the principal. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, isn't that ridiculous? I was like, <laughs> I was like, I will never be an art teacher like that. But it, it, it made me think like, yeah, maybe it wasn't the best decision for a kid to make, but I think a master educator or a master teacher realizes that every behavior has a cause and maybe I was just experimenting or trying something different mm -hmm. and I wasn't quote coloring in the lines or creating the people using the paste the way I should and so a lot of times what we see is be, um, negative behavior from people they're really kind of giving us a message that say that says hey I need to experience this differently I need to learn differently mm -hmm. I need a different experience I need to try something new and i think a lot of times we look at people through the through the lens that we want to see them as you know a troublemaker or, or not listening to directions but a lot of times people don't have the skill set or the language skills to be able to tell you what they really need mm -hmm. so i remember getting sent to the principal's office and that had a real effect on me th thinking like as an adult i said to myself when i have students i'm never going to punish them for trying something new or different as long as it's not hurting themselves or hurting anybody else let let people experiment and try different things. After all, we would not have the Jackson Pollocks of the world if we sent Jackson Pollock and <laughs> all the and a lot of artists to the principal's office every time they created. Yeah, you're so right. Now we come to the part of the show called the Creative Surge segment, and it's just short answers and questions. And okay, <laughs> you ready? <laughs> yep, I'll try so to keep them short. Yeah. <laughs> What is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, the best advice I've ever seen received is is just to go for it. Don't wait to get your work out there. Just put your work out there. And can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success? I love walking in nature in our local park and being outdoors, smelling the fresh air, listening to the birds, and looking at the trees. What person inspires you to be creative? So many. Leonardo da Vinci, <laughs> for one. Paul <laughs> yeah. Clay. Um, Pat Metheny, Vincent Van Gogh, John Coltrane, and I'll tell you the two number ones are my wife and my son. Because when you're daddy and your husband, you got to think of solutions. You got to be <laughs> flexible and think on your feet, or you're going to be not on the right train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite work of art? It can be any type of art. Um, my favorite work of works of art are usually like abstract expressionist work by like Jackson Pollock or Mark Rothko. Things that aren't um, explicit images, but let our imaginations just completely run free and be wide open. I love Mark Rothko as well. He's one of my favorites. And a favorite quote that inspires you? Um, it's kind of a reverse inspiration. It's, I think, therefore I am uh -huh. by Rene Descartes. Yes. And I always change it. I say, it's, well, it's not just that we think, therefore I am. I create, therefore I am. I feel, therefore I am. Oh, lovely. And so um, a lot of times we get lost in our Western headset and we live up yes. here in our little, our little um, 10 pound, uh, whatever it's called brain. <laughs> and, um, but you know, creativity and learning exists all through our body, all through our senses. Your reworking of his definition actually brings together again, the split that he initiated. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Bring it all together. Yeah. That's great. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. I, I just loved getting to know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. And uh, I'm so inspired after speaking with you. Thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. I love it. Thanks so much for what you're doing and bringing creativity out there to uh, as many people as can partake of it. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for being here, too. What a stimulating conversation that was. 
seemed as though there was just one insight after another with Rob Levitt, wasn't there? What was your favorite part? Let me know by sending me an email to info at ownyourcreativity.com. I'd love to hear what you think, as well as any other comments, questions, or suggestions. Also, I want to remind you of the Digital Swag Bag Contest. It has four gifts to inspire your creativity, and the contest ends March 23rd at midnight. To find out more and how to enter, listen to the end of episodes four or five. Tomorrow, I'll be talking to Sylvie Filiatro. She is a writer who paints and a painter who writes, and has such a strong creative spirit that she doesn't let anything stand in the way of her dreams. Until tomorrow, own your creativity. Oh, 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 oh